Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either... You are listening to Ratchet and Respectable from London. Yes, I am finally back home, quote and unquote. London is still my home for the next three weeks. I have finalized, I think I told you this, I finalized my plans to move to Paris and Ghana and South Africa. Those are the mainstays. I've got my life planned out, at least where I'm living, where I'm calling home at least, until June 2024. That was my birthday gift to myself. And I told you I did a birthday do-over because my birthday was kind of mid. I can't remember what I said and what I didn't. I'm kind of high, not like off drugs or like, I mean, off drugs, but not like weed or some shit. I am, I'm sick as a fucking dog. I don't know what I got when I was in Porto. What's today? Tuesday? I came back from Porto on Monday. I started feeling bad Saturday night. And then Sunday, I woke up and I was like, I'd sweated through the sheets. I felt like I had what people describe as COVID. I took a COVID test. It's negative. So I don't have COVID, but I feel like I've been hit by a truck. I stayed in the bed at the hotel and it was a really comfortable bed too. But I stayed in the bed at the hotel all day Sunday. And then I really only left on Monday to check out. And then I had a couple hours to kill and I actually felt like, okay. But then like the ordeal from getting from Porto back to London, like I took a two hour train back to Lisbon to catch my flight, which was fine. But then like my flight was really delayed. And then when I finally got back to London, the express train from Heathrow to London, because it's an hour driving from London proper to Heathrow, it's just really far out. There's no way around it. The express train, I got there one minute before the train left and like I couldn't make it to the platform in time. And then I circled back to take the subway back into central London and I was like, oh, I'll get a cab from there. It's just faster to take the train. And they were like, oh, no, like, I mean, the train is running technically, but like, and I was like, oh, God, you're killing me. So I was like, fine, I'll just take an Uber. And then it took like 10 minutes for the Uber to come. 
and I'm standing at this dark parking lot like after midnight and it's like me and a bunch of men, which I was like already uncomfortable with, but then everybody's Ubers came before mine and then it was just me in the parking lot and I was like, dear God, and I'm sick on top of all of that and I've been traveling for like 10 hours at that point. I didn't get home until one something in the morning and I tried to like meds up, but I don't really speak Portuguese. Like I speak Spanish, not fluently, but like well enough to get by. I can ask for or describe everything that I need within reason. So when I was in Portugal and most people speak English anyway, I was mostly in like tourist areas. So everyone was pretty fluent. But at the pharmacy, like I got meds and I got what I thought was the equivalent of Theraflu. Just overall, I find the drugs overseas to be pretty weak. Like America will drug you the fuck up. They're like, oh, take some Benadryl. You take two Benadryl, you're out for 12 hours. I find like overseas, they're just like, okay, let's like, you know, take the edge off. But like, if you're sick, you're just gonna have to manage the sick. Like we're not gonna just drug you out. But I took like the equivalent of Theraflu and it was like, like it took the edge off, just like I said, but it didn't really like, you know, knock me out or like clear out my symptoms. So I was like, fuck this. So I waited and took a double dose. I read the instructions. It was like, don't take more than like, you know, six packets in a day. And I was like, six packets, like America says four. And I was like, y'all are watering this shit down. So I took like a double dose. Now I feel high as fuck. I tried to be like, oh, I can't record the podcast today. That's not going to go over well. (sighs) So here we are. So anything that I say today, like, you know, I mean, I'm totally accountable for everything that comes out of my mouth. But, you know, if it's some crazy shit, then it's just some crazy shit. It just, you know, is what it is. There's good black news this week. Brandy is getting a star on the Walk of Fame, which I would have swore... She already had one. Like, I can name probably five people that have stars on the Walk of Fame that I was like, you got one before Brandy? I mean, I know it's something that you pay for, but you also have to qualify to pay for it. I just assumed Brandy already had one. Like, Brandy's kind of iconic to me. But yeah, so Brandy's getting a star on the Walk of Fame, long overdue. She looks amazing, by the way. She really just, this is going to sound weird. She looks like the grown-up version of herself that I envisioned. I mean, and that sounds like, well, yeah, because she's, you know, Brandy. She should look like the grown-up version of herself. But there's tons of people who got older and don't look like themselves. I don't want to call anybody out because I don't want to be rude. But no, but there's tons of people who aged and grew and you're like, wow, like, that's not what I expected you to look like. Brandy, she looks exactly like herself, just like not really 40. Because I think Brandy's like, I'm 44. Brandy's got to be 40 and change. I don't think she looks 40. I don't think I look 40 most days. That's me and my opinion of the mayor. Other people might say different. Mm, I'm thankful to be alive. I don't care about aging. I'm also like the smallest I've been in years right now. This happened before when I lived in London because I didn't like the food. I didn't really like the food in Portugal either. If we keep it at 100. Like I had a couple good meals. I just don't think I went to really good restaurants. I didn't eat anything that was like particularly bad. It wasn't like Amsterdam where I was like, this is amazing fucking food. Even Paris. Even Budapest. Okay, basically everywhere else I've been. I just really didn't love the food in Portugal, which is weird. Because in general, like, I kind of like Portuguese food. But but I lost four pounds 
on vacation, which is weird. I travel with a scale. Did I tell you that? It's a thing. Um, my friends think I'm crazy, but you know, I've read something that said that like people who weigh themselves daily, even though like half the population says it's very unhealthy, there's another whole path that subscribes to the idea that if you know how much you weigh, especially when you're trying to manage your weight, if you know exactly how much you weigh, like you're more conscious of like managing it. But I'm like the tiniest I've been in like a minute to the point that I can look in the mirror and can see, oh, I look significantly smaller. That this is TMI. I used the restroom and I stood up and my waist beads fell off. And I was like, whoa. And that's what made me actually look in the mirror. Like I see the number on the scale and it's like moved, but not like super significant. Like Apparently doing all this walking, especially up and down all them damn hills in Portugal and then all over Budapest where I was doing like seven, nine, 10, 12 miles every day for like I don't know, two weeks. And then again, doing the same thing in Portugal. And I walk a lot when I'm in London too, just not as much as I do when I'm in Europe. But apparently it's building muscle or some shit. Because like I said, the scale numbers haven't moved that much. But my waist beads fell off. I had to bend down and pull my waist beads up. My sister, Mika, she's actually Davida's biological sister. I just stole Mika because, you know, so she's my sister, whatever. But Mika sells waist beads. She has a site called Wasted by Mika. W-A-I-S-T-E-D-B-Y Mika, M-I-K-A dot com. But she sells waist beads. Mika put these waist beads on me. I don't know when. I've had two sets of them. Two of them I had on for three years. I think the other two have only been a year. And I love these waist beads. I don't want to get new ones. I'm going to have to have Mika like untie them and retie them. But I don't see Mika until November. Something has to give. I'm not walking around without my waist beads, but like these things are on the goddamn floor. I went to get groceries earlier because I had to leave the house. Like there was no food in it because I've been gone for like two weeks. But I went to get groceries earlier and I had on my little workout tights and I had to keep pulling them up when I was walking down the street. Oh dear. I mean, this is kind of a good thing. I wasn't really actively trying to lose weight. I'm not mad at it. I actually like my size, but... I don't know. As long as my clothes fit. Because I only have a certain amount of clothes. But I am in London. I can't go shopping. It's not like being in Ghana where you can't just like run out and pick up stuff. There's actually an abundance of fashion here. But I'd rather spend my money on travel than buying new clothes. That's not the point. What is the point? I told y'all I'm slightly high. I think. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What else is on this list? Brandy on the Walk of Fame. I actually have a whole list of stuff to talk about. Most of it's really not that interesting. We're going to talk about the missing girl. Should we just get that out the way? The missing girl in Alabama. What's her name? Carly Russell. Carlethia, as the Daily Mail pointed out. I heard about this story when it initially happened. I didn't say anything on social media either. Statistically, when Black women, Black people in general, but Black women specifically, I think, go missing... It's very rare that, that people call the Calvary or that becomes a national news story. White girls go missing, especially a cute blonde. 
it's an international all points bulletin. I appreciated that for this young woman, the cavalry was called, that she did get the blonde white girl treatment, that her perceived, choosing my words carefully, kidnapping or abduction was treated with the seriousness that it deserves, that her life was treated like it mattered. Her family was everywhere, alerting everyone that she was missing, that she was loved, that they wanted her back. Like, she is ours. She belongs to us. Bring her back. I saw a video for her brother demanding, pleading that his sister is returned. I didn't see anything from the parents, but I heard that they were actively involved. Um, I saw something from the boyfriend. I don't know if I saw that before or after. I saw a long Facebook message from the boyfriend after she reappeared and him being very thankful that that she was returned about what you would expect from a boyfriend that was looking nonstop, that he was completely focused. People speculated that he was involved with her disappearance and all he was focused on was like getting her back. Okay. In case you haven't been following this story, which there's a lot of international listeners who may not be familiar, young black woman, 25, I think, from Alabama, she said that she saw a toddler on the side of the road on a highway that she was driving on. And so she pulled over to see about this kid. And she called, it's not really said who, because I went through and read several different news stories. She called someone. I assumed initially that it was a family member. I thought maybe it was the boyfriend. The person is not identified in several news stories. It just said that she called someone and said that she saw this kid and she was getting out to help. And then while she was on the phone, she screamed and then she was never heard from again. When police got to the scene, they found her car abandoned. They found her purse. She was wearing a wig. Her wig was at the scene. But neither she nor the toddler that she said she saw were anywhere to be found. This story blew up very, very quickly. People around the country, if not the world, were praying for this young woman. There were search parties looking for her. Police resources were allocated to find this young woman. Like she really got like the full white girl treatment, which again should not just be reserved for cute blonde white girls. They really went all out trying to find her. They offered a reward. I think the reward was up to, I know it was 25000 I think it got up to sixty. The family was offering a reward for her safe return or any details that led to her return. And then 48 hours after she went missing, she showed up at her parents' house, which this is what everyone wanted. Again, people were looking for her. People prayed for her safe return. People put up money willing to pay for any leads. Her safe return is what everyone wanted. And then she showed up and a good portion of people, like just in fairness, a good portion of people were like, thank you, God. We prayed. You answered our prayers. Thank God the woman is home. End of story. I care nothing else. But then there was like a good chunk of people. And I would say it's probably like a vocal portion of social media right now. We're just like, so wait. You saw this kid on the side of the road and then someone abducted you or something. You went missing for 48 hours and then you just showed up at your parents' house, which is where she lives. I read that she lives with her parents. 
But like, you're not going to explain what happened for this last 48 hours. Now, in fairness, if worst case scenario, which everyone assumed this story to be, that this woman was kidnapped, she was likely to be sex trafficked, sexually assaulted, that's what everyone thought was going on, then her speaking to the press right now doesn't make sense. She would need to go heal and take care of herself. She would have no business giving interviews. Do she or her family really owe us anything? I say largely no, but I also think that when you ask people to pray, when you ask people to literally physically go out and look for someone, people care. People are invested. People want to know what happened and people want to know what happened beyond just like, is she okay? I think people who prayed for her return expected her to be found, if you will, not for her to just return to her family home, just show up. I think it's confusing for folks and and people, again, not, not even people with ill intentions or pessimism or hatred of black women. I think people are just legit like, huh? It's just not what they expected to happen. I've seen, I've seen so much and I'm not even in the States. So like, you know, I don't even see all of the stuff that happens. I saw, I'm choosing my words carefully because the person who wrote it is someone whose work I respect. I don't want to denigrate the person as much as I just want to say, I don't necessarily agree with this particular idea put forth, but I saw this very popular piece. Like it was basically shaming and chastising people for their practice of a white man's version of Christianity in which we don't really expect shit. Like we pray, but we don't really expect our prayers to be answered. And and we hope for like almost like an enslaved person's version of freedom in the afterlife. We don't really expect joy and happiness here on earth. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? The general idea was like, you know, y'all believe in prayer, but you really don't expect your prayers to be answered. The collective voices of black people praying are what brought this woman home. And we should just rejoice in that. And your doubt of God, because you don't really believe in having your prayers answered is what's leading you to question the authenticity of this woman's story. To which I was like, people are questioning the authenticity of the woman's story because this shit don't make sense. Like, it's not about like, I'm not used to having my prayers answered. I told y'all two weeks ago about how my phone literally just was dead. And I'm in the middle of Portugal and and far out where they don't really speak English like that. And I was like, you know, God... (laughs) I need you on the main line because I got to get back to my hotel. First call didn't answer. I called back. Hey, God, it's it's me. It's me again. That whole ordeal of me realizing my phone was dead, I called on God twice. My prayer was answered in 15 minutes. I believe in God. That's why I called twice. The reason I called on God this time is because I've called before and my prayers have been answered. L- little testimony today. But come on. Come on, the story don't make sense. And I sat on this. I said I wasn't going to say shit. And literally, I've said nothing. You can comb all my social media profiles. You can even comb through my text messages and the group chat. I've said nothing about this story. And I was like, you know what? 
Let it play out. Until we hear something from the family, I don't have a public opinion on the story. This is not a situation where I feel like I want to say something early on just so if it plays out the way that I thought it would, I can go back and be like, see, I told you I was right. To say, see, I told you so about something that happens on one of our favorite TV shows or a film, that's one thing. This isn't a scenario where I feel like I want to be right. And also, as I'm saying that the story don't make no sense, this is actually a scenario where I want to be wrong. I really want to be wrong. Only reason I'm addressing it now is because her family did an interview earlier today with NBC. And it was just weird as fuck. It was her parents, black mom, black dad, sitting there together. The interview said nothing. They just kept repeating, like, we can't say anything because it's an ongoing case. The interviewer was giving them real softball questions. Good interviewer. Super young. Or maybe she just looks super young because, you know, like, black people never really look their age. That has nothing to do with anything. I just, it was just something that stood out. And I was like, oh, she's really young and she's doing this really high profile interview. To me, that means she must be really good. She was good. When she asked the parents, this is when I was just like, huh? She asked the parents and they were like, well, you know, what did it feel like that moment? Like when you saw her and like, I don't know, I don't have a kid. And if I did have a kid, like, I doubt I would be in a scenario where my kid gets abducted. I don't want to judge the parents emotions like I'm sure they're like all over the place but it was just like the mom just had like the weirdest reaction to talking about like seeing her well then like but I couldn't really you know touch her or grab on her because of like the state that she was in she came but then like they took her to the hospital immediately but she never really says like what state that was like this is five minute long interview and the parents are speaking but I know absolutely no further details after watching the interview than I did beforehand. Like they gave literally nothing. And then they kept saying, well, we can't say anything because it's an ongoing case. To which I was like, then why are y'all doing an interview? The mother did say that the daughter was in like a fight for her life, which is also a quote that the boyfriend said as well that she was in a fight for her life for 48 hours, a physical fight, and then also a psychological fight for her life. I don't know what exactly that means. It's all just very oddly vague. And then also, what happened to the toddler? Because it seems like no one's talking about this kid. So... Woman says that she is driving along highway and sees a toddler on the side of the road. And so she pulls over to help said toddler. Woman has been found. Okay. But it doesn't seem to be like an all points bulletin trying to find this kid. I've read that no one has reported a child missing. I can make sense of that easily. Maybe the kid is the biological child of the people who were using the child as bait to get this woman to pull over. Okay, but that child, I would say, is in harm's way. No, if someone is having the child walk along the highway as bait, I would say that this child needs to be found immediately. I find it odd that there's also like no description of the kid. Was it a white kid? Was it a black kid? Was it an Asian kid? A Latino kid? 
what was the kid wearing? Like, there's nothing about this kid. And then people from Alabama, from this section of Alabama specifically, have started talking about this stretch of highway where the woman pulled over. And they were like, you know, this is a very busy place. You can see on the video, because there's video of the woman's car pulling over onto the, the shoulder of the highway. There's a bunch of cars passing by. No one else saw a toddler? Toddler's not on the video. Okay, that's fair. Video might not have picked up everything. But all these other cars passing by, no one else saw a kid? She was the only person? It could happen. It's possible. Anything's possible. I just, I don't think this is that kind of scenario where like everything has to be perfect in order for this woman's story to be believed. There's just so much that just seemingly doesn't make sense. And also, the parents are now doing interviews and not giving answers. They did say that the young woman is is reading social media and it's upsetting to her that people are doubting her story. And I'm like, wait. So she showed up at your house She's in such bad physical and emotional condition. You're saying as her mother, you couldn't get close to her and comfort her because she had to immediately be taken to the hospital. Okay. Because she's in that state from whatever has happened to her. And y'all are letting her on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter? Why? Unpopular thought. I'm still here trying to figure out how to phrase it. It would be better to me if she were lying. I think it would actually be better for everybody. I mean, maybe not her, but I think it would be better for everybody if she was lying. The idea of someone using a child as bait on the side of a highway in order to lure people, particularly women, to pull over and then abducting those women and the thought that everybody had was the either sexual assault or sex, or sex trafficking. The idea of that happening is so fucking terrifying. It would be much better to know that that is not happening. And, and a sense of relief, I think, for so many people, if this were not true. I think part of the reason that people, and perhaps self-included, want to doubt this story is because to believe the truth in it is so fucking what the fuck. There's also, I saw people floating around the idea that the young woman may be suffering from mental illness, that she may have had some sort of break with reality. The parents didn't allude to it in the interview at all in any way. I think that's something worthy to be on the table. Remember the story about the young woman in... LA, she drove full throttle through a major intersection. There was video of it all over the internet. It was really terrible to watch because she hit one of the cars and it immediately like burst into flames. But it's a really terrible story. But think of like the most popular intersection in your city and then like 12 p.m. on like a Tuesday afternoon when people are going to lunch or running their errands or whatever that someone just barrels through the intersection. But it caused like massive accidents, massive deaths. But the young woman, like people said she was drunk. People said that she had a, um, she had a fight with her boyfriend. She drove through this intersection because she was angry out of revenge. Like there were all these theories thrown about. 
but actually what came to light via the woman's family. Her sister actually set up a website. I don't remember what the website is. I'm laying down in my bed as I record this. I'm not even on my microphone because I really feel like shit. Otherwise, I would just look it up. I'm recording on my phone. Otherwise, I would just Google it for you. I'll try to do it next episode. But the woman's sister put up a really good website, not to clear her sister's name, but to explain who her sister was. The woman who ran through the intersection had a long history of mental illness. And they believed that she was having an episode the day that she ran through the red light. I wonder if that could be something that's happening here. Or could it be something more basic? It's a 25-year-old woman. She lives at home with her parents. I don't know how strict or, or lenient they are at their home in Alabama. But I'm thinking, you know, maybe she lives at home. She's got this boyfriend. Cute, seems loving. Maybe she needed to get away for a bit. 48 hours. Maybe there was somebody else in the picture. She couldn't spend two nights out the house with, without her parents going ape shit, without the boyfriend making a big deal about it. Maybe she concocted a story to give herself some free time to be wherever it is that she wanted to be without her family or her boyfriend being aware. And maybe she didn't think that her saying, you know, I saw this toddler and then screaming and then abandoning her car. Maybe she went with, you know, the idea that like, who's going to come looking for the black girl? I'll be back in 48 hours. Everybody will be all right. Maybe she thought something along those lines. I don't know. That's just something I'm throwing out there just because we've seen variations of it before. I remember there was a young woman. She didn't have enough credits or didn't have the grades to graduate from college. So instead of telling her family that she wasn't going to walk in graduation, she like ran off. Um, Maybe it's something like that. Like people who feel restricted, don't feel like they have a lot of options, sometimes say and do crazy things in order to get a little freedom, do a few of the things that they want to do. And it just spirals out of control very quickly. I really hope the girl's lying. I'd be 110% with you. I meant that when I said it. I really hope the girl's lying because her version of the truth is some terrifying shit. That wasn't supposed to be all of today's episode, but I think it probably will be. I really feel like trash. Is there anything else on this list that really can't be saved until Friday? I should be better by Friday, God willing. Future diss Russell again, which I'm like, for the love of God, sir, why is the man who created the child so mad at the man who's raising the child? Why? The way Future act about Russell and Sierra would think that baby future was his only child definitely his only son and you would think that Sierra was the only child's mother don't he have like 511 kids he got at least 7 or 8 you would really think baby future is the only one I don't see him going to any of his other children's mothers like this and it may just be because it doesn't generate any attention because none of the other women have a Sierra level of fame but I was like you know is Russell antagonizing him behind the scenes Like, is this the case of Russell, like, poking the bear and then hiding his hands? Russell does it in private and then Future does it in public? Like, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Whatever lyric he did, I don't care enough to go look it up. It's Future lyrics. It's mumble shit anyway. 
it was something about like, I got it out the field. You didn't basically saying that like, you know, he came up hard and then Russell didn't black people's obsession with like struggle life. is just beyond me. Like, yes, people struggle. No one who struggled wants to. Everyone who struggled and, and worked themselves out of struggle is trying to create a life for their children where their children do not struggle. You didn't want to struggle. You had to. But you wanted somebody else to? For what? Like, how does that change your situation? Does that make you, like, more Black, more authentically Black? Like, more... Go to Africa. They don't consider you Black anyway. Just, I don't... I don't know. I don't, I don't get it. I've never understood it. Like there's many ways to define the black experience. Struggle is part of it. Yes. Thriving is also part of it. You are no more or less black because you were poor or you struggled. You are also no more or less black because you grew up in a more financially stable or safer situation like that's that's not how blackness is determined we're in america it's a one drop rule the social construction of race is just yo white people slavery colonization imperialism all that shit just did a number on all of us as for future attacking russell i'm just like you know that man is raising your kid right what if russell really was doing some you know what fuck you and now fuck your kid too because i'm gonna just go full nacho I'm in this, um, and I've been in it for years, um, since before I got married, because it's a blended family situation. It's a group for blended families and how to make it work. One of the common suggestions in the group to maintain sanity for step-parents, when you have a high-conflict, because that's what they call them, a high-conflict co-parent to your spouse or partner, how do you deal? And so the idea is, like, you go nacho, which is essentially it's not your kid. So you let the parents deal with their child and you're just engaged in a very, in the most minimal way possible. You basically go completely hands off with the kid. And I was like, what if Russell fucked around and did that to baby future? Because his father is high conflict and acts an ass. And it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this shit. Me and this lady been married, literally, literally, Russell and Sierra have been married for seven fucking years. Within that seven years, they've created two additional humans. And Future still talking shit about this man. What is there to gain? Other than, I guess, like album sales. But I've heard, like, you know, there's controversy about this new album. I ain't buy Future's last album. I ain't buying this album. I ain't buy the album before that. I have never bought anything with Future on it. I can't name you a Future song, to be quite honest with you. But I guess maybe for his core audience, this is very appealing. They're like, yeah, like, you're a fuck nigga. We're fuck niggas too. Fuck Russell. Fuck grown ass men who step in and, and raise other people's children like their own. Like, folks that on the internet every day, all day, and complain about the Black community and Black people's problems. Black people need to do this. Black people need to do that. I mean, mostly it's Black women. But it's like you have a man, a Black man at that, who steps up into the raising and rearing of someone else's Black son in order to make sure that he's not out in the street, like, directionless, acting like his fucking father. And then that's a problem, too. 
Do we have anything else on this list? Now my throat is starting to hurt. Why am I so sick? Oh, last but not least, I'll save everything else until next week. The ice cream date. If you've been on social media, even for a little bit within the last week, tons of people, it's not an everybody and their mother situation, but tons of people have been weighing in on this. This woman, or was it the man? I don't know. It was a screenshot that was circulating. Man and woman meet at some point, exchange numbers. Guy hits up woman. It was like, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing you tomorrow. She's like, yeah, me too. He was like, let me know if you would like me to pick you up or you can meet me there. Whatever's comfortable for you. And then he says, it's been really hot out. I was thinking maybe we could get some ice cream. And so she responds to him like, hey, I'm 26 years old. I don't do ice cream dates, more or less. And again, I'm paraphrasing. She was like, I, I, I'm the type of girl that wants someone that puts in a little more effort, does a little more planning, isn't trying to cheap date me. I think she took the ice cream thing as like a coffee date situation. You're almost like you're pre-dating me to see if I'm worth an actual date. She took offense to the suggestion of an ice cream date and was like, I think it's best if we go our separate ways. We are not aligned. And he was like, okay. I've seen people mostly reaming the woman out. And they were like, I would love an ice cream date. Who doesn't want to go on an ice cream date? An ice cream date is great. She don't want to go on an ice cream date. That's who. I don't think there's anything wrong with him asking. He's the kind of guy that likes an ice cream date. That's his thing. She's the kind of girl that doesn't like that. That's not her thing. They are not aligned. I tell you what would have made a difference if she was actually interested. If she met the man and she had some oozy woozies, some butterflies, he had a little razzle dazzle in her point of view. If he asked her on the ice cream date and she was feeling him, she would have said, yeah. He was mid- Maybe if he has some personality, if he has some wit, if there's a little bonus extra, I'll go out with him. I'll see where it goes. You know, whatever. We'll see. But she wasn't really that interested. And then he asked her to do something she really didn't want to do. And that's why he got the answer that she got. If she was really interested or she just really thought he was cute, really interested, same difference. She would have been like, well, let's go. Well, okay, I'll go. We'll see. He didn't have that extra oomph to push him over the top. That's all it was. But she's not wrong for not wanting to go on an ice cream date. And he's not wrong for asking her. I think we do this thing with women. And I've seen y'all do it to me. That's how I know it happens. But it's like every man that a woman encounters is, is sort of perceived as this like possibility of like, he could be your husband. He could change your life. Like he could make you so happy. He could do all these things for you. Like he could make you a wife. He could make you a mom. People just get like really, 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 really excited about a woman literally just like meeting a man. Like it's just, they put all this extra on it. Men are great. Some of them are very nice. Some of them are actually quite wonderful, but it's, it's just a man, just, just a man, not on a pedestal, not a deity. Not superhuman, not not a better human than you, not worth more than you, just a man. That's not everything. That's far from everything. That's so much not everything. But it's what we got for today. Hopefully I'll feel better on Friday because I feel like shit right now. All right. We'll be back. God willing. Talk soon. Bye. Wait one second before we go. It's 425 in the morning where I am. But there's an update on on Carly. 
Hoover, Alabama Police Department just released new details. The police are going to hold a press conference on Wednesday at 2.30 p.m. to further update the public on the Carly Russell case. There's a couple other details the police department has released. They said before Carly stopped on the highway that she'd gone to Target and she purchased some snacks. They note that these items were not located in her vehicle or with her cell phone and wig. They note definitively no evidence of a toddler walking down the interstate, nor did they receive any additional calls about a toddler walking down the interstate, despite numerous vehicles passing through the area. They also note that there was a 911 call made when Carly arrived home. She was described on the 911 call as unresponsive, but breathing. When the first responders arrived on the scene, they found Carly conscious and speaking, and she was transported in that condition. She was later treated and released from a local hospital. So the mom made it sound in the interview because she was saying that she couldn't hug on her and love on her because she was physically and psychologically unwell. I, I did hear the mom say that, right? And then now they're saying that she was responsive and breathing and her mother still wasn't all on her? Huh? Yeah. I'm glad the girl home's safe. And I'll leave it at that. Because I think tomorrow after this press conference, where the snacks go? She bought some snacks. She took the snacks with her. Was she going to give them to the toddler? Trying to help the girl out. All right. Now I'm going. Bye.